You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm the former editor of AllYouCanHeat.com and a credentialed writer covering the Heat and the NBA. The Step Back Fan Rack Sports and Miami Heat Tip-Off Magazine. You can follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Ramil, a credentialed NBA writer who's covered the Heat for SB Nation and AllYouCanHeat.com. And I cover the NBA at large for fan-sided Fan Rack Sports. And you can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRamil13. We're back after our holiday break. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is that you celebrate. Uh, we took a lot of days off, David, but we're back. We're happy to be here. Um, but we missed a lot of Heat games. The Heat played three games while we were away. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we'll talk about today, Nike unveiling their new City Edition uniform series. And we've gotten a sneak peek at what the Heat is going to look like. So we're going to talk about that later on. Uh, first, today's show is sponsored by Draft. Download the app today and use the promo code LOHEAT to get a free entry after your first deposit. David, like I said... Seven and three in the last ten games. The Heat beating some weak opponents, beating some good opponents. Um, what has really stuck out to you uh, as far as these last few games have gone? And do you think the Heat have turned a corner? That corner that we've expected them maybe to turn at, at some point? I wouldn't go so far as to say that they've turned a corner. I think it's just the strong suit of the team, which is the team's reliable depth, has really provided a boost when players have gone down. They've reinserted James Johnson in and out of the lineup. Kelly Olenek has been a mainstay of the team, but with Hassan Whiteside out, even with Justice Winslow, guys have come in and stepped up and, and produced at a high level. Even Goran Dragic has been inconsistent of late, but we've gotten some good boosts of offense from guys like Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington, who we'll talk about more later on the show. So I'm not sure that it's necessarily come together just yet. Like we have to have this team healthy and, and playing in sync the way we saw them do at the end of last season. That was the best version, I think, of this team, minus, of course, Adebayo and Olenek. But for the players that were on this roster last year and who are still on there, again, with the exception of Dwayne, I'm sorry, Dion Waiters. I mean, was that a Freudian slip there? Dwayne Waiters? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, um, I I think they're still trying to piece things together. Uh, You know, at at this point, it's kind of by committee who's going to step up on a night-to-night basis um, we've gotten some consistent play from some guys, particularly in the backcourt, have stepped up while Dragic has been hurt. But overall, I, I, I'm still not seeing this team play with the kind of fluidity that we saw at the second half of last year. I've got some stats here that I want to read off, and this is kind of showing me where where the difference really is, how how well the Heat are playing in these last 10 games versus before these last 10 games. So this 7-3 this, this and three run started with a win against Brooklyn on December 8th. So before that... Um, the Heat were 25th in the league. I'm sorry, the Brooklyn game was December 9th. 25th in the league in net rating. So they were getting outscored by 4.1 points per 100 possessions. 25th in the league. Bad. Uh, They were 27th in offensive rating, and they were 15th in defensive rating. In the last 10 games, since that that win against Brooklyn on December 9th, They've been fifth in, in net rating. They're outscoring opponents by 5.5 points per 100 possessions. Almost a ten, that's, that's almost a 10-point swing. Uh, so they're fifth in net rating, fifth in defensive rating, and 12th in offensive rating. So they've gone from 27th to 12th on offense, 15th to 5th on defense, and 25th to 5th in overall net rating. That is a ginormous leap. Now, it is only a 10-game sample size, 
But you and I, before this, you know, at the start of the season, you and I have been talking a lot. Look, we think that the Heat are better than what they are producing. We think that they are much better than this, and we felt that they were going to turn a corner, that they were going to get better from what they were doing. The biggest difference in why the in why they've gone from 25th to 5th in overall net rating is because they're getting it done in the second half. They were the they were dead last in the NBA in in second half point differential. They were getting outscored by almost 5 points a game in the second half. They are now the third in the last 10 games, they have been top 3 in the second half. They go from minus 4.8 in the second half um for, for before this 10 game stretch to plus 4.7 in the last 10 games. So almost a complete flip. You know what I mean? Uh, so they're just, they're executing better in the second half. It's really the same formula as last season. You're, you're saying it doesn't remind you of last season. That part reminds me of last season where they went from being really bad in the second half to really good in the second half. I don't know if this is sustainable. I think a lot of it, they're getting the same quality shots. They've always, for throughout the whole season, they've gotten some of the best shots in the league just as far as shot selection, where their shots are coming from. Now they're just going in at a, at a little bit of a higher clip, and I think their execution in the second half is better, fewer turnovers in the second half, uh, and in the game. So that, to me, is what sticks out. Now, I hate to be the negative one here, but you know I will point out the seven wins were against really, really bad teams, with the exception of the Boston Celtics win last week. You know They beat the Magic, they beat the Mavericks, they beat the Clippers and Hornets, Grizzlies, and Nets. Yeah, right. I mean, and those you, you throw teams. in of those, yeah, <laughs> of those three losses, two of them were against over 500 teams in the Pelicans and Trailblazers, both of which have issues on their own. And then the Hawks, too. That was a pretty bad defeat there. So that's why I'm kind of hesitant to say that they turn a corner. I think we're starting to see the groundwork because I assume that once everybody becomes healthy, once we have the versatility of James Johnson and Justice Winslow back in there, and once Whiteside, if Whiteside accepts a lesser role on this team, I think that we'll start to see the kind of congealed offensive force that we saw in the second half of last year. You know, again, Dion, that's a question mark because obviously, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I want to say we, you know, we looked at his offense. You know, it hasn't been consistent. His defense has been a problem as well, just because of overall health. Hopefully, he'll get healthy and he'll be able to be the kind of closer that we expect from him. That we expect him to be that kind of closer that he was last year. Um, but in the meantime, you know, again, very good positive showings from this team over the last, you know, two or three weeks or whatever. But at the same time, not quite ready to buy in just yet until we get this team healthy and and and, and together and doing it at a high level once everybody's back on the lineup. So they're getting healthier. That's the good news. And I think this this is a type of stretch. You're right. They're not doing it against the best opponents, but. Maybe this is something that gives them a boost, gives them some sort of confidence Ooh, going forward, because that's what I felt like they were missing for so much of the season was just the overall confidence that we thought we thought would be there based on that thirty and eleven run to end last season, right. and that just right. it, for whatever reason it wasn't there. Maybe it was just injuries. I don't know what it was. They just kind of lost that that swagger that they had. It seems like maybe they're starting to get it back now. Um, so. Look, let's we'll talk about some of the individual guys that are responsible for Miami's hot shooting and our impressions of our fir- our first new look at the white side Olenek front court. But first, basketball, fantasy basketball fans, listen up! If you love fantasy basketball, then you need to try our new favorite fantasy app. It's called Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but not like the other guys. Draft was launched in 2014 with the idea that the draft is the best part of playing fantasy. The only problem, though, is that you only get to draft once in your season-long leagues, and traditional daily fantasy can get rigged, not with draft. On draft, you play with a live snake draft, there's no salary cap, 
and you play with other people. Plus, there's no multi-entry or player overlap, so you don't have to worry about those fantasy game sharks gaming the system. Draft is designed to make fantasy sports simple, fair, and fun. Here's how it works. It's a draft that lasts for just one night. You pick a draft, and you begin. Drafts start every couple of minutes, so you could join one right now. Here's our favorite part. After the draft, there's little to no lineup management. Just set it and forget it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. And, of course, you play for cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a game for everyone. Again, no salary cap. Live snake drafts. No losses because you forgot to make a sub for an injured player. No fantasy sharks. Draft leans into the best part of fantasy sports, and you can play whenever you want. Join Draft today. Download the app. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on Draft.com. For a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOHEAT and play a game to win real money. All you have to do is use the promo code LOHEAT on your first deposit. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about those new Heat jerseys that we got a sneak peek at later on in the show. But David, we're talking about these these last ten games um, and Miami's recent success. And there's a couple of guys that we want to kind of spotlight here as really responsible for what they're doing. And you mentioned on an earlier podcast a couple weeks ago or whenever it was that you thought Wayne Ellington was about to just turn a corner here, where he was just going to go on a streak. And he right now Wayne Ellington is lights out shooting. He went what yeah. six of ten against the Magic. I mean, the the Heat are they're they're prop. They have the the three point shoot shooting contest propaganda out there to try to get Ellington involved in the the NBA shootout. So Ellington has been just nothing short of phenomenal. This is really why the Heat found that and Andy Ellisberg used all that cap wizardry to to find a way to bring him back, even if it's just for one season. His, he is so important to this team, just as far as spacing, what he's able to do. And he's really improved his overall game. What have your impressions been so far? He's been phenomenal. I, you know, It was after that Celtics game when Spolster went to him late in the fourth quarter. And, and the game before that, uh, the loss against the Hawks, it almost felt like you know Spolster had gone too much to Ellington, keeping him in there in the fourth quarter when we needed some defense against, oh, uh, man, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Torian Price. Who was just lighting it up? Torian Prince. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, Torian Prince. Yeah, he was just lighting us up, and 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 you know, Ellington wasn't doing a good enough job staying with him. But Spolster kind of showed a lot of confidence in him in that Celtics game, keeping him in there while he was cool off for most of the first three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, it seemed like he really ignited there and really blew up against the Celtics. You know, finished with with just two of eight from downtown, but that confidence boost, like I, I just felt like it was going to be enough for him to kind of go on a roll, and since then. He's been, what is it, uh, 17 of 32 from three-point range. That's amazing. I mean, he went 8 of 12 against the Dallas Mavericks last Friday, just 3 of 10 against the Pelicans, uh, but still finished with 13 points, and then 6 of 10 against the Magic, like he said. That's a really, really impressive showing from him. Uh, he's just the spacing. He, he, he can help close out a lead in a very quick burst there. I mean, it, it, you almost feel like you're always – able to reach an opponent if they ever build up a lead, which is a lot of what happened against the Magic. The Magic had inexplicably built a big lead, and then all of a sudden Ellington gets hot in the second half, really helps Miami stay in it, and his other guys start to find a, their rhythm a little bit more. And you just tend to rely on a guy like that who can shoot you into a game very, very quickly. It's You, know, it, it's, you hate to label a shooter as streaky or not streaky, but it really seems like with a guy like Ellington, he just knocks down one, and all of a sudden he just starts to hit three or four in a row. Uh, and you never know what what can when that might happen, but uh, you know he, he you know was it like ninety five percent 
of his total offense is coming from three-point range. He's shooting 43% overall from three-point range. It's just been an improvement from him all around. And that's what we talked about at the start of the season, too, what we said we wanted from Ellington, just more and more three-point shooting. Just focus on what you do best and, and provide that quality spacing. Come around screens. You know, you're talking about that three-point shootout. I wonder if he'd be any good in it just because he's not coming off of screens the way he does in games. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> yeah, well, if he'd you feel can, comfortable. You, just, you can come off of screens of the uh, ball racks. Just use the ball <laughs> racks as a screen. That's a good point. Uh, do you think he has a chance? Do you think he has a chance to make it? He is making the ninth most three points three pointers a game. Yes, he's behind. James Harden is three hundred forty-five. Yeah, and I'm per game. Harden, Curry, Clay Thompson, Eric Gordon, Robert Covington lead the league. Those are your top five. Then Paul George, Kyle Lowry, Rodney Hood, and then Wayne Ellington at two point nine. But if but that's for the season. If he plays, if he's playing the way he has been playing, I mean, let's let's go with these last ten games because it seems like that he's been very integral in that. He is second in the NBA in three pointers made per game. I'll give you one guess at who's first over the last few games. Yeah, uh, Trey Lyles. Actually, uh, no, he's actually number one because Curry. Oh, Curry was- Curry hasn't played. Curry's only played once in the last ten games because he's injured. And he's made he made five po- he made five three pointers. He was five of eleven in that one game. So Ellington leads the NBA in players that have played in the last ten games. Harden is second at three point eight. Ellington is first at three point nine. Excellent. Yeah. So if he keeps this up, and that's a that's a big if. But if he keeps this up, I mean, he is shooting a bunch of threes. That's the difference. I think. I don't even know if it's a difference in quality of shot or his just quality of attempts. But he's just taking so many of them. In the last three games, for example, he's taken 10, 10, and 12 three-point attempts. Um, he took eight against Boston. He is just taking a, He's taking more three-pointers than he ever has. And that's something that we've heard Eric Spolster talk about a lot in the past. Is He just wants shoot him. Even if you think you're open, shoot it. Because that's a, that's a good quality shot. Uh, the, Heat, the Heat are known as like a traditional old-school team, right? And a lot of their approach to the way they play basketball and, and just right. the way they approach the season. But as far as just offense, they are as modern as anybody outside of Houston. You know, they they most of this league are are, are behind Houston in, in percentage of shots that are three pointers that are right. three pointers, right? They're second behind Houston for most of the most of the season so far, and that's just continuing. And that's really what the di- like there. The difference is not the quality of shot, and I said this earlier, but not the, it's not the quality of the shot. It's just that the the shots are going in now. That's really right. the difference here. And Wayne Ellington, as far as what he's been, he's, this, he's having his best season of his career. I mean, he is just playing the oh, best God. basketball of his career because on top of those three-pointers that he's he's taking and making, he's gotten really good at these like straight-line dribble drives when guys close out hard on him. He, he doesn't do a lot of it, but he does it enough that people have to respect it or they're surprised by it, and that's even better. Um, he's playing his best defense easily of his career. I mean, there's been... There's been games where Spolster has left him in at the end of games, partly because of his defense. It's not only been because of his shooting. Uh, he's playing great. The other guy that's been playing amazing is Josh Richardson. And we yeah. thought that he was going to... This is what this is the Josh Richardson we saw in the preseason. He started the regular season in kind of a slump. And you and I kept talking in the preseason, hey, if Richardson is playing like this, he really kind of raises the ceiling for the Heat, which you don't necessarily expect from a guy who was a second-round pick. But Richardson, at that starting small forward spot... The way he's playing has really opened up a lot of Miami's floor game. I mean, he's been incredible doing everything. I mean, shooting, facilitating. Spolstra's talked about uh, how he really standardizes the offense when, when Dragic isn't in there. Um, 
I mean, he's he, and defensively, obviously, he's been great, and he's got he's stealing the ball more than ever. He's got that disruptive defense that Tony and Eric talk so much about. You know, a phrase they stole from this show. Um, yes. <laughs> but he's been great. Yeah, I mean, amazing. Look, I mean, it always feels like we come back to the same thing with Richardson about his confidence, but you just see it. Like he's taking shots and making shots that I don't think he ever did over the course of the first three years of his career. Like he was just. He oh two years rather, but he just seems so much more fluid. Like he's taking floaters, he's taking pull up jumpers in the mid range, and of course coming off of screens uh, from three point range, and he just looks so much more fluid shooting the ball. It's like for for all the times that we've seen him kind of put his head down and kind of lumber back to the opposing end of the floor, this is an exact opposite of that. Like he makes up for the for the different. If he's not knocking down those shots, he makes up for it defensively. But when he starts to knock down one or two shots, he doesn't feel. Like it doesn't seem like he gets, uh, you know, uh, scared to take a big shot in big moments, yeah. and he's been able to keep the team, in, 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 you know, when Spolstra's, they're trying to. Spolstra has gone to him at the end of games. I mean, oh, that, yeah. that is the ultimate vote of confidence. I mean, there is, he has got a swagger about him that this team really needs. Um, and is it the hair? Is it the hair? It's got. It's got to be the braids that you hated. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Um, <laughs> look. He he's playing great, and this is the type of leap that we expect from third-year players, right. right? This is where you're talking about his game is just he's a much more fluid shooter. He's rounded out his game completely. He's making better decisions with the ball. He just seems more comfortable. Like he knows when he needs to dribble drive. He knows when he needs to catch and shoot. He knows when he needs to pull up uh, from three-point range or a mid-range shot, which he doesn't do all that often, which is good in the context of the offense. He's just taking efficient shots. He's passing the ball well. He's playing great defense. He knows when to go for a steal. He doesn't gamble nearly as much as he used to. Um, and this is, he's just a better, smarter basketball player. And that's, again, the sort of leap that you'd expect from a third year player. But again, it's the kind of leap that I think you and I were, and every Heat fan was talking about is Justice Winslow going to take? And it's been Josh Richardson. I mean, Richardson has been the best rookie. Of that, you know, of those two right now, he's been the best player between him and Winslow, and that's not not a knock on Winslow. That's more of a holy crap! This second round pick is doing this right now. Uh, he yeah. looks he looks great, and he's becoming one of Miami's best players. He's certainly been maybe their most consistent player over the last ten or fifteen games. Um, I mean, again, a lot of guys were injured, and he hasn't been, so that's a, that's a you know that's good for him. But he's he's really raising what the he's raising the bar for what this Heat team could be because. We talk about a lot what that second, what the Heat were in the second half of last season. Josh Richardson was not this in the second half of yep. last season. Not even in those last ten games when he was starting for Waiters or whatever the last the last few games when he was starting for Waiters, he wasn't this. This is not what this is nothing like what the Heat had in the second half of last season. This raises their ceiling. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, he just makes the team better defensively, offensively. Obviously, uh, you know, we've talked about. His uh, development as a ball handler this season, something that Spolster has gone to a lot more often in the first quarter. Uh, you know, he's, he's become the primary ball handler while, while Dragic nurses his injury. And so that's an impressive showing of confidence in, in, in the third year player. Um, he just he looks really, really good, man. I, I mean, there, it seems like we're just being uh, hyperbolic here. But at the same time, it's just a reality. He's just looked really, really impressive. Now, I, I'm sure that there'll be some moments in the future where he might have an off game that just happens to every sure. player. But at the same time. He seems more resilient and being able to bounce back from those and showing that he can still make an impact, particularly defensively. If things aren't going well offensively, just his ability to make an impact with his block shots, harassing guys going to the rim. How many times have we seen players try him as they were driving to the rim only to be met by one of those incredibly long limbs of his and, and, and you know be deterred of their shots? So yeah. 
Um, he's, it's been great to see from him, you know, because uh, well, you know, they sign him to a lot of money or they, they offer him that huge extension. I don't feel as bad about it now as I did a couple months ago. How about that? It's gonna. It looks like a bargain at this point if he plays at this level. Uh, yeah. Quick reminder: make sure that you're subscribed to Locked On Heat on iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, then leave a review on iTunes. It helps other Heat fans discover the show, and we really appreciate it. Also, be sure to check out the rest of what the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including shows for every NBA and NFL team, plus Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Lock, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's talk really quick about this uh, our impression of the Whiteside Atlantic front court, and then we'll go on to those City Edition jerseys because we got to talk about those things. Um, so we saw Whiteside got Whiteside returned for Miami's game against the Magic uh, on Tuesday night, and he so he started the game next to Kelly Olynyk. So we've talked a lot about in Whiteside's absence, Olynyk was starting next to Bam Adebayo. Can they and will they? Will Eric Spolster continue with that that setup when Whiteside returns with Olynyk starting at power forward? We did get our our, our first look at it. What was your impression? Um, I, I think he looked terrible. I, I know the numbers kind of show otherwise, but to be honest with you, I, it was the kind of things that we look. You know, the, the, it seemed almost fortuitous, you know, in a bad way that uh, I think Eric was talking about how Eric Reed was talking about how they had drilled into Spol um, into Whiteside the need to set better screens. That one of the things that while he was nursing his injury, that Spolster really concentrated on was watching film with Hassan Whiteside on how to set better screens because, man, the 20-year-old rookie can set better screens than he can. You know, James Johnson, all the bigs can set better screens than Whiteside, so it was one of the things that they needed to show. Tyler to Johnson do, so sets they, better screens than Whiteside. <laughs> without a doubt. And then he goes in there, sets a, a, an illegal screen, and is, picks up his first foul within like a minute and a half of the game. <laughs> that was just unbelievable. That's not, and and that, just, that's, that shows me that it's not an issue of trying sometimes. I mean, sometimes, and maybe even most of the time it is, but even when he does try, he's just not good at it, you know? And then he, he's going down court complaining about the foul call when it was clearly a moving screen, kind of throws his shoulder in there. Now, he did later on in the game kind of improve. Maybe he has a little bit better timing or everybody else kind of figured it out. I can't remember now who it was. Curled off a screen, knocked down a perfect shot. Um, and it was due to Whiteside's ability. I think it might have been Dragic, actually. But it's still an issue. Um, you know, this was a really dilapidated Magic roster out there. You know, they were starting Maurice Spates. Uh, no Nick Vucevic, who would have caused a lot of problems. Bismack Biombo isn't exactly an offensive force. So to see that Whiteside's you know, holding his own against this mediocre, at best, Magic team isn't exactly uh, something that I'm, I'm positive or seeing as a positive. Um, yeah. You know, overall, I just I didn't like his performance out there. And, and look, he's got to get his timing down. I understand that he's got to build back in his, his conditioning a little bit. But we're still seeing the same problems that we saw when his conditioning was at a higher level a couple weeks ago. I mean, even outside of that, right? Like once he gets back into into playing shape, and that's you know that'll that'll come, right? That's expected. Uh, dealing with the the lower type, the lower body injury that he had, um, it just really during that that. Second, the start of the second half is when I noticed it. Him and Olenek in there together with Tyler Johnson, who was in for an injured Dion Waiters, um, Josh Richardson and Goran Dragic. It was the the spacing, despite having three guards out there, and Olenek, who is a nice floor space for himself. The spacing was off. Like well, the, the Magic just in the Magic for a lot, uh, for for the most part, did not respect Miami's shooting. Eventually, they paid for it. But that was mostly right. when Whiteside came out. 
Absolutely. I think about the strength or one of the strengths of a Linux game is that he can, you know, space the floor from the outside. But if he gets, you know, if he uses that pump fake as he does yes. so effectively, gets his defender up in the air. We've seen him drive to the rim on a number of occasions, you know, very impressive for a guy his size. You can't do that with Whiteside clogging the lane there. And, and that's we, the only thing Whiteside knows how to do. And he doesn't and you know, we don't want Whiteside taking three pointers. We don't he's not a perimeter oriented oriented big man. Bam Adebayo has flashes, right? Especially in summer league, we sh- we saw flashes of him being a perimeter oriented three uh, a big man who could shoot threes and things like that. He's that's not what he's doing in the NBA right now, but he has a perimeter game in terms of being able to set high screens and being able to yes. you know, uh um you know, play Both within the, the dribble handoffs and, and participate in dribble handoffs and things like that. Things that Whiteside sometimes does, but not with the same dexterity that even Bam Adebayo does. Oh. And he just, he doesn't have a perimeter-oriented game whatsoever. Even when he takes those weird mid-range 18-footers, it's clunky looking. You know, he does have a nice touch. We've given him that credit, but it's clunky looking. And it looks like almost a just a decision he makes in the spot. There was a point in the third quarter where... He got that ball, and you, it was clear that he was supposed to keep moving the ball, but he just held on to it for like three seconds and then passed it in the last second as the shot clock was winding down to Josh Richardson, who had to take a, a like a step-back three-pointer just to get the shot off before the, the buzzer went off. And he missed it, obviously. It was just a bad yeah. possession, and Richardson's going to get the miss for that, but that was Whiteside's fault. And that's yeah. the type of thing that... And look, I didn't mean to turn this into let's let's just berate Whiteside for a few minutes, but it was that is what our first impression of this white side of front frontcourt was. It wasn't good, and maybe, and 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 more importantly, it's better with Bam and Olenek. And if you're going to pay Olenek that kind of money, and if he does have the importance uh, that he does, and he does, like he leads this team in a lot of categories right now. I mean, a lot of like a lot of lineups with Olenek in there are plus, right? So if you want to make your best players better, right now Whiteside's not doing it. And Bam is. I mean, Goran said what he he was talking. Manny Navarro, the Miami Herald, tweeted this out. What Goran learned during Hassan's absence, and a lot of times from players, you get canned responses like, "We learned what Hassan brings to the table. We learned what we missed about him," or something, you know, like that. Goran said, in response to what he learned in Hassan's absence, I think Bam showed us he has great qualities and he can play a lot of minutes. I mean, that says every everything we've been saying. Gorn summed it up right there in that sentence, and it was that's not a, a hit on Hassan. We don't mean anything. We don't mean anything as a hit on Hassan Whiteside necessarily. But Bam has just been a lot better. He's just been better. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that you're talking about, as far as you know, kind of gre- creating some room there at the rim, not clogging the lane up as much. You know, Adebayo is certainly not showing that kind of perimeter-based game. But guess what? If his teammates drive to the rim and they miss shots, you know what he does. He runs toward the rebound. He crashes the boards. That's something we haven't seen from Whiteside. Whiteside kind of just says, oh, look, there's the ball. I can use my 10-foot-long wingspan to snatch a, a ball out of the air as it comes towards him. But he's not showing that kind of effort on a consistent basis. Again, I know the injury is going to take some of the speed and momentum and timing out of it. But it's not like he was showing this at any point during the season. We need him to get better. Look, hopefully he's finally healthy and maybe this is – that maybe that lower leg injury is something that he can eliminate um, and, and won't be affecting him in the future. But we just need to see an overall improvement from his attitude, which is something that we've wanted from him for many, many years, to be honest with you. All right, let's talk about these new City Edition uniforms before we before we end the show here. Um, if you haven't seen them yet, they're kind, they're just they're. You go to the Heat's Reddit, the Heat Reddit page, the Heat subreddit page, or go anywhere on Twitter, you'll find it. Um, I've they've tweeted been, it out. They're not, 
Yeah, they're not officially released yet because right. the Heat are apparently going to do so at a later date. 26 out of 30 teams have already made theirs uh, visible on the Nike yep. website. So you can see them on there, but unfortunately, Heat is not one of them because I guess they're the, holding off for another. The Heat one. were late in the first in the, to do to do the initial rollout of the Nike jerseys, and they were just the same things that they've always had, which I'm not complaining about because I think the Heat have great uniforms. But they were they've been just late on all of this this rollout stuff. Um, I guess because they don't necessarily care about the frou frou of uniforms or something like that. I don't know what. Can it I is, can I but... offer a theory? Yes. They 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 they're not big on they're not big on social media. The Heat. Um, you know, with the exception of Cooper Moore, I think they're great on social media. The Miami Heat. I I don't think that they like being. I don't think they like being the kind of team that builds things up on social. Like they they tweet out plays all the time. You oh, know okay. What I'm oh, I see what you mean. The they're not social like media that they do. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a limited kind of archaic form, and I think they're the same way. They're not showy in that sense. They don't want to make a big deal about their jerseys one way or the other. They'd make a show of it in a future upcoming game and make that the deal, but at the same time, not the weeks leading up to right. that event. So that's probably why they haven't unveiled them, quote unquote, unveiled them just yet. Well, if you haven't seen them, go find them. But we've seen them. We but we love them, right? I mean, I no. love them. You don't? Oh my god! I do not love them. I do not love them. I love the fact that I read later on that they're kind of a nod to the old Miami Arena. Oh, okay. Oh, because the, of the font. Yeah, the font, the weird oh, okay. neon uh, colors yeah. and everything else, but uh, and so they're a, a nod to the old so Miami. To me, original. they were. To me, that they they were they were. You you've seen that 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 fan, alt that fan made alternate that's been circling around the heat that's been just kind of passed Vice around Heat fans. Yeah, the Miami Vice jerseys have been passed yeah. around by Heat fans on social media for years now, and that to me is what Nike just did. They were just like. Everybody, all of the Heat fans online want this. Let's make this a reality. It's very much based on that, it seems to me, uh, which is great because Heat fans have wanted this forever. Uh, well, not forever, but for several years now. And I love it. I love that Nike was just like, look, they, we just, it was kind of just like a, a fan poll almost. Like, it was, you know, I love that they did it. I, I'm surprised you don't like them. I, I don't like the colors necessarily. Like, I think the ones on the fan made version are brighter and pop yeah. differently. These kind of are a little too light have for you my seen a, Have you seen a high-quality image? Because I haven't. Uh, I'm looking for one right now. Um, yeah, if you type in Heat Vice jersey, you'll see, like, the best version of it. Um, and, and they're using – unfortunately, they're using us on the white side for the yeah. – the roster when they unveil the jersey. Um, yeah, even yeah it's, it's like a light, a light blue, light pink kind of color on a white background. So, again, it's nice. And compared to some of the ones I've seen that are positively hideous – this is definitely in that middle group, uh, if not one of the top ten, I'd say. Um, I but love there's them. just yeah, there's just some there's some that are maybe not maybe the new maybe the live ones will pop. Maybe they'll have that pop that you're looking for. Maybe maybe so. Look, uh, Zach Harper, friend of the show, likes them. You know, other people have have been uh, very positive about them, and, and you certainly seem to like them. So I'm probably well in the minority, and that's fine. Uh, so I'm just where big... where do they rank in your heat jerseys then? Last? Um, no, no, no. The military ones are the worst. No, okay, so the ones they use now, the ones they use now, I should say. Those, those, those military ones were awful. Yeah, yeah, probably last. You know, last. That's, yeah, that's not saying much. I mean, how many have they actually unveiled so far? I mean, they only have the vintage ones and the white and the reds. Yeah, the vintage ones are spectacular. I love those. I'd probably go reds. No, vintage. Reds, these, and then white. Oh, I love all of them. I can't. That's not even yeah. a fair ranking. Definitely one of the best alternates that the Heat have that the Heat have had in the last 
forever. Like, I hated the all-whites. I hated the blackout, the whiteout jerseys. I hated both of them. The Homestrong jerseys, while I, you know, love the, the, the thoughts and the support, um, the, the execution of the design of those jerseys was awful. Like, just ugly, hideous uniforms. Um, they would have just been better off going San Antonio Spurs and just going full camo. And I don't even enjoy, particularly enjoy those. Um, the black the black tie uniforms, the tuxedo uniforms, sure. hideous. Sure. And I know I'm in the minority on that, but hideous. Uh, these are the first actual alternates that I've really enjoyed in a long time. Yeah, I hear you. Look, I mean, I get, I'm, I'm just scouting, kind of going through Twitter a little bit, and everybody is like, seriously, they're gushing about this jersey. So I'm, I can't say that I hate them. I just don't necessarily like them as much as I was hoping I would. I think you're going to warm up to them. That's my prediction. All right. That's fair I enough. I think you will. I like cool. <laughs> All right. I hope so. Well, thank you to Draft. Use the promo code LOHEAT and get a free entry after you make your first deposit. We'll be back tomorrow with our Heat Player Power Rankings that we promised you last week, uh, but we didn't do because we are awful people and we apologize yeah. for that. But we're, we're going to do promises. them. We break our promises, but we promise we'll do them tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And then on Friday, we're going to have a special end of the episode, maybe. Uh, but for now, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening and subscribing. You can send mailbag questions and ask about advertising by sending an email to LockedOnEat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions and comments for our recaps using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes. <laughs>